Hey everybody, Jeff Antoniak here, Digging Deeper Jazz. Welcome to the video. Well, today I want to talk about the bridge of rhythm changes. The previous three videos, not the exact previous, but three previous videos, we worked on rhythm changes, the A section, some different approaches to the A section. And today I want to talk about the bridge. Now, uh, rhythm changes is one of the most important song forms, the most important set of chord changes we're ever going to run across. So I really want people to understand what's going on. I played rhythm changes for a long time as a young player, not really knowing why or why this chord moved to that chord, why they were there in the first place. And of course, I'm talking to the adult amateurs and the semi-pros out there. Those are the people I love to talk to. Those are the people that I teach. I know there's a lot of college kids and pros and high school and college teachers that watch this. That's fantastic. But I'm really gearing this towards the adult amateurs. So I'm so glad you're here. So we're going to work uh, on three different sort of basic approaches to the bridge of rhythm changes. And I've got uh, a couple sort of cool announcements for you guys. It's going to apply to every one of you out there. So stay tuned for that. There's a cool way of thinking about improvising that I heard from someone, can't remember where, wish I did, but it was put like this. The best improvisers are those people who know the most melodies. The best improvisers know the most melodies. That's an interesting way to put it. I'd never really thought about it like that. And um, so if you know five jazz tunes, there's a good chance you're a better improviser than someone who doesn't know any. If you've memorized those five tunes, there's a better chance you're a better improviser than someone that can just play them from the music, right? And I'm not just talking about jazz songs either. Can you play Happy Birthday on your instrument? Can you play a folk song from the country you live in or the culture that you're from originally or something like that? Just good melodies. If it's a good enough melody that it's in your head, do you know it well enough to play it? When you have a bunch of melodies in your head, when you understand how melodies work, that makes you improvise better. <clears throat> the more I think about it over and over, that's really what this stuff is about. And that's sort of my first uh, approach I want to take with uh, rhythm changes. When you look on the sheet, you'll see these eight measures here. And it's D7 for two measures, G7 for two measures, C7 for two measures, F7 for two measures, and then we resolve to the B flat major chord that begins the last A section. Rhythm changes is in B flat, typically, and the bridge starts on a D7. So if you just remember, the bridge starts on the third of the key I'm in. Now look at how the chords progress. Do you see anything about the intervals between the D7 and the G7? The G7 and the C, the C and the F, the F and the B flat. Yes, those are ascending fourths. That's the circle of fourths. Actually, the very previous video to this was a video I did on the circle of fourths. Definitely look at that if you haven't yet, and that'll give you a really good sense of what's going on with the bridge of rhythm changes. It's literally five stops around the circle of fourths. D to G to C to F resolving to B flat. So there you go. That right there is huge, just understanding that. So I understood that after a while. It, it, it was years later that I realized like, wow, the bridge is actually a big three, six, two, five, one progression in the key of B flat. And those of us that know a little bit about chord progressions in jazz, three, six, two, five, one is a thing. 
It's actually the A section of rhythm changes. So that's a really big deal, just understanding why those chords are there. They're not random. They weren't there just because George and Ira Gershwin thought, huh, wonder what this one sounds like. No, there's some science behind it. So here's the first approach I want to take to rhythm changes, and that is going back to this, do you know some good melodies? So literally, do you know a good melody that fits over two measures of D7? Is there something you know how to play? So it could literally be a melody like, let's say, um, Sweet Georgia Brown. A melody like that. It could be uh, it could be uh, a bebop scale, a descending bebop scale. This is something that David Baker used to teach at Indiana University. When we get to the G chord, uh, G chord makes me think about the bass line to the Cedar Walton song, Bolivia. You get the idea. Uh, you know, the, the key of uh, F makes me think of an F blues, so I can play Billy's Bounce. something melodic to play. It could be a lick. It could literally be a melody. It could be a scale that you know fits. Start collecting things to play. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us get really hung up, especially the adult students. We know a lot in a bad way. We know stuff that gets our brains to grind to a halt because we're worried about the 42 things we have to get right. I'm saying forget all that. Um, a lot of us are thinking, well, okay, I'm playing this D7, but it has to resolve to the G, and, and it functions as a... No, no. How about say a good sentence in the key of D? Can you say a good two-measure sentence in the key of D? That's all you have to do. Now say another good sentence in the key of G. And now say... Right, so they don't have to be related. When you think a lot about a lot of the great melodies that we know... Over, over rhythm changes, anthropology, or moose the mooch, or things like that, the, the melody doesn't actually connect a lot of the time, not in any resolution kind of way. There may be some motivic thing going on, but just play something, and then just play something else, and then play something else. Let me do an example for you. So there, I played one time through the bridge. I played, I tried to play things that were as disconnected as possible. I just said a sentence, I said a different sentence. Hey, my name's Jeff. It's kind of cloudy outside today. I'm wearing a gray shirt. And what, you know, just say a couple things. Is it a little disjointed? Yeah. Would you want to have a conversation with me on the street? Possibly not. But it gets you through. Just think a sentence at a time. Don't worry about the next sentence. Let me do one more for you. Okay, so probably no Grammy Awards for Jeff for that solo, but did that stand out as an atrociously random 
bit of playing to you? No, that's it's just fine. So just that idea of get comfortable playing two measures, a melody. Study some melodies, borrow some melodies that you know. So that is the first approach I want you to take. And that's not an easy problem to solve, is learning some melodies. Of course, they need to have sort of a dominant tonality, right? And then in these four keys. So that simple sounding assignment is something I've been working on for the last 35 years. And just yesterday, I added a new bit of vocabulary to my arsenal that maybe comes out this weekend when I'm in Indiana playing a gig there. So we'll see, right? This never ends. Simple as that sounds, it's a big deal. So I tell you what, before we get on to the next two approaches, I just want to... uh, tell you about this bit of exciting news. Now, you've heard about Jazzwire. I've been talking to you about Jazzwire. I built this place for you adult students to come and work with me to have this ongoing conversation, but with people from over 25 different countries around the planet at Jazzwire. Great players like you. People, some folks coming in at a more beginner, intermediate level, some folks way up there, semi-pros. So here's the thing. Between now and March 1st, 2019, we're going to offer a 50% discount for those folks uh, registering for Jazzwire. And and the registration fee gets you your practice plan and your playing evaluation. So you literally get a six-month practice plan, a 12- or 14-page document from me. So 50% off. So you can see the discount code that you need to uh, use. It's digging spring, as in digging deeper, and it's spring, at least in this part of the world. So use that discount code, and I want you to sign up for Jazzwire and join the rest of us who are there. You're going to have a blast, and you won't regret it. The second cool thing is for those of you who believe in what I'm doing here, what I'm doing here with Digging Deeper and with Jazzwire, the idea of reaching out and getting people to do really good work, I want you to help me brag about it, basically. So if you would be interested in helping pass the word around, email me, and I would love for you to become an affiliate for Jazzwire. And the deal is, whether you post or whether you tweet or whether you're online or whether you play in a big band and there's other people and you think this information, you're getting something from this information, if you're involved with Jazzwire, mention that to somebody else. When they sign up, they get a discount signing up and you get an affiliate fee from me. So basically you get a commission. So it's a win-win all the way. We're trying to really grow Jazzwire this spring. We wanna offer great information to adult students, so these are your friends, and we want to give you something for that. So we're not talking about pennies or you know a couple little bucks here. It's uh, you know it'll be worth your while. So if you feel like this is something you want to talk about, great. I don't want to pressure anybody into anything, but if you think that the way we're approaching this makes sense to you, then let's spread the word. So just send us a quick email. We'll get you more information. All right, let's get back to uh, rhythm changes. So on the sheet, you can see the next approach. Here, we are connecting things a little bit. So we do understand that a D7 does progress to a G. The first chord of the bridge, the first two measures, does link and progress to the next chord. And again, you can go back to the Circle of Fourths video where we dig into a little bit more about why and how. But I've put one of the really good classic resolutions. Playing the third of one chord, the third of the D chord, it really is screaming to resolve to the root of the next chord, the G. Well, now we're when we're in those two measures of G, the third of that chord, the B, is screaming to resolve to, yeah, the C of the next chord. 
when we're in the C7, the third of that chord is screaming to resolve to, yes, the F. So you can see it's like they're, they're like links in a chain, which is what the circle of fourths is. When you're on the F chord, the third of that chord, the A is screaming to resolve to, yes, the last A section, B flat. So let me just play those simple notes for you so you can hear that underlying structure. The, I, like, I call it the science behind the music. This is what makes those chords want to progress to each other. Okay, so is there something special about the rhythm? Uh, I think the way I have it written out, the third shows up, you know, on beat three of the second measure. No, I, I mean, frankly, that note could be anywhere in those two measures, but when it's closer to the end of the measure, maybe right at the end of the measure, we can hear that progression. So let me uh, play through it one more time and I'll start embellishing it a little, but you should still be listening for this root, becomes the third, becomes the next chord, becomes the third. So that's still gonna be the structure of what I'm using here. Right, so I did a couple examples for you starting off, you know, going, going back to the first one where it was literally half notes and whole notes. So then I started embellishing a little bit by, you know, even just a little rhythmic embellishment, not adding new pitches. Then I did one where I started adding some other chord tones. So then I started moving a little bit more, but I made sure each time my resolution was the third of the chord I was on to the root of the next chord. If you know about enclosures, I've done some videos on enclosures, and that's, a, that's something you need to know about, especially when you get to a more intermediate, advanced uh, level of playing. I started doing some enclosures, which allow me to use that third to the root resolution. So again, that's uh, simple, right? I mean, I think everybody pretty well understands what I'm talking about, but you're gonna spend decades working on this. It's, it's one of those, to me, one of those incredibly deep truths that's really hard to do. Like get enough sleep or sit up straight or resolve your thirds to the root. Really hard to do. Now I wanna sit up straighter, okay. It's, it's really on that level of deep human truths <laughs> that you'll spend the rest of your life on. I'm getting, I'm getting like out of hand here with it, but it's kind of that. Okay, so that's a great one to work on. Last one, I have a sort of tangible exercise for you here. And what it is, is the regular rhythm changes is two measures of that dominant chord. But here's what jazz musicians love to do. When we have two measures of a dominant chord, we think to ourselves, well, a dominant chord is a five chord. 
That's how dom, you know, dominant chord is a five chord. So if D7 is five, what is two? So we have to do this weird reverse engineering. If D7 is five, five of what? D, D7 is five of G. So if G is one and D is five, what is two? Well, two is A, and we know that two chords are A minor. That may have been kind of fast for some folks, so that we're talking about minor two fives. And again, Jazzwire, that's the place to get up to speed at your speed with this stuff. So when we see that D7, we understand we can put an A minor before that. So instead of two measures of D7, we can play a measure of A minor and a measure of D. When we go to that G7 chord, instead of playing two measures of G7, we can put its two in front of it, D minor to G7. When you think about D minor and G7, they're the same notes in the scale. D minor, D Dorian are the white notes on the piano. G7, G mixolydian are the white notes on the piano. So it's not outrageous to insert a D minor where there used to be a G7. Here's the thing, the piano player, the bass player may not be doing those substitutions, but we can do it over top. So let me play that exercise that I wrote out for you. The rhythm section over here in iReal Pro, which I use, is uh, they're just gonna be playing straight dominant chords. So this is a cool beginning to chord substitutions that you can use. Here we go. Right, so I was mentioning before, people that know the most melodies are the best improvisers. So some of us, depending what level we're at in our travel learning jazz, we know a 2-5 lick or two, right? We know something to play over those first couple changes, over the A minor to D7. So now all of your 2-5 licks or all of your minor licks now get to be used here. If you only just know a minor lick, great, play a minor lick, play a dominant lick. So there's three different approaches, all sort of based on melodic playing, but it does get into the chord changes. So really my biggest thing for you here, I, I, I think the first approach is fantastic. Just that idea of learn a couple good melodies that you can play. Again, those can be licks. Those can literally be melodies. And as you start thinking that way, you don't get bossed around by the chords so much. The chords aren't telling you, oh, play this third, play this seventh. Yes, that's in there, but, you're, but the melodies, pe people better than you and me before us wrote these great melodies, played these great licks, sung these great songs to help us understand how the melody fits the harmony. So I hope that gives you a really, really good uh, take on how to get going with the bridges to rhythm changes. And like I said, each of these three approaches are infinite. And to this day, I personally work on all three of these. This is not big note songbook kind of stuff. This is not beginner to jazz stuff. It's helpful for a beginner to jazz, but any pro out there, if they're honest, will tell you they have been working on these three things and continue to this day. So please take advantage of this 50% off to join us at Jazzwire before May 1st. Our goal is to grow the community. We have an amazing community right now. But the bigger the numbers get, the more interesting the conversations. And Jazzwire is about these conversations with these great musicians from all over the world. And if you'd like to brag about us a little bit, 
and uh, actually get a little something for it, please do. So send us an email and we can tell you a little bit about the affiliate program and get you involved with everything we're doing. So thank you so much for tuning in and I can't wait to hear what you do with this information. Have a great week. Bye-bye.